So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Ryder University. Now, let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I am Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, hosting your show today. Uh, my office is located here in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached through our website, which is www.cwmi.us. Or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. And last time we had on Bruce Amishkin, the president of Pinpoint Marketing and Design, as well as the president of uh, Eventex. And if you missed that, it's a lot of marketing ideas and web design ideas that are very important uh, for your business. You can go to our podcast uh, and this one as well at www.masteryourfinances.us. Um, this week, we are very pleased to have with us uh, Barbara Forschner, the Director of Community Relations at Artist Senior Living of Princeton, and Olivia Oliphant, Registered Nurse of Foothill Acres Rehabilitation and Nursing Center. Uh, Barbara began her career in health uh, 11 years ago and when her daughter was uh, getting ready for college and had a, a, a bad experience when her grandfather was in a nursing home. Um, disrespect and laugh, lack of dignity of being an advocate for seniors is very important to Barbara. Um, and then she had a baby and was just too upset about what she witnessed um, and did some research and contacted the uh, ombudsman office to inquire uh, so that maybe the next time uh, maybe different treatment would happen. And they researched uh, the complaint of of uh, different rights and then they uh, acted on the remedy and complaints and worked as a director of admissions for a nursing home in Princeton for several years and was uh, found on the health care and when she went to work she moved um, as a move coordinator in assisted living and then was recruited to work for a home health care company where she spent most of her day in hospitals and assisted living nursing homes in the area and worked with discharge planners and families in crisis to establish a safe discharge home, and her journey has now brought her to Artis, the senior living of Princeton, uh, with 64-bed memory care uh, community and the director of community relations, and having worked on, on several senior care uh, options over the years, over 11 years, she has a solid background, be able to assist families in their journey for their loved ones or point them in others in the right direction for elder care, for lawyers and planner, financial planners and so forth. And it's important to have many resources available to you. And Olivia Oliphant, she is currently a registered nurse at Foot uh, Hill Acres Rehabilitation uh, Nursing Center and began her career working in a 260-plus uh, bed uh, acute care and nursing uh, home located in Somerset area in, in New Jersey in 2009. And she spent, uh, she had the privilege to work with uh, the geriatric, geriatric population and their families. That same year, she became the nurse manager of the subacute union uh, unit, excuse me, and in 2010 became the nursing supervisor overseeing the units in the building, and soon thereafter worked 
for JFK Medical Center caring for neurological patients. And currently she is the Director of Community Education and Outreach at Foothill Acres Rehabilitation and Nursing Center. Um, and her, she previously experienced was uh, firsthand knowledge of the type of care and compassion education and teaching that patients, residents, and families require in order to plan for the later stages in life and caring for experiences as they may arise. And her clinical background allows her to provide education and teaching while experience, uh, her experience enables her to develop compassionate and humanistic programs, conversations, and support. And dedicated, she's dedicated herself to providing a five-star quality care, excellence, healing, and holistic and well-being. And so both of you guys are really uh, focused on a very important of our uh, segment of our population as the baby boomers are getting a little older. And now we're getting ready to uh, kind of move to that, that later stage in life where we might need some care. And there's a lot of different stages that people go through. And unfortunately, I think that most people don't focus on this until it's almost um, kind of put upon them. And uh, what I've noticed, at least in my own practice, is sometimes people are brought, this is brought to their attention when maybe a family member or a friend of theirs has to deal with this. And also they're like, or unfortunately, sometimes when they have to deal with it directly, and that's kind of a crisis situation. So what do you guys see as far as, um, you know, what people are doing and are they preparing for this? And, uh, you know, what kind of things are you seeing? You want to start maybe, Barbara? Let us know what you're seeing over where you guys are. Well, what I'm seeing is I, I am the director of community relations for a new community that's opening in the Princeton area in the fall. Um, we are a 64-bed memory care building, uh, which is a little different for the area. So all of our residents... Um, will have to do with memory care or dementia or Alzheimer's. And um, that's a, a different level of care than in a normal facility because it's not a small unit, but it's a whole community. Um, the thing that I've seen over my 11 years is that people can never really be totally prepared for this. It's something people don't want to address. Um, so until there is a crisis situation, that's when all of a sudden they're overwhelmed. You know, it's a small handful of people that prepare financially with long-term care insurance. Um, you know, people don't go and tour a nursing home or a community because maybe it's going to happen in the future. It's really not something they want want to address. So the people who are prepared have an advantage. Um, you know, just doing tours in their gut, feeling where a community is appropriate. Um, there are a lot of communities, and you have to feel comfortable. Um, you have to feel that there's respect and dignity. Um, at my new building, artists, we're not open yet, but you know, some of the benchmarks for them is, especially with people with dementia, is the ability to have a voice, to respect and maintain relationships, um, to treasure each person's uniqueness. You know, by that, I can give you an example. Um, we had some in one of our other communities in New Jersey who had just moved in and was really enjoying their experience there to the point that they became an ambassador. So that's someone who lives there who kind of helps the new people as they come in. And they're in eyes and in ears within the community to the staff. The woman wasn't there that long, but it was so important to her and her family and how she was doing that actually when she passed away, um, she wore her ambassador badge from artists. So that was something that, you know, we heard and, and is really important. 
So that became a big part of her life was really yeah, advocating even, for other people that maybe were in the facility and understanding like what that process is, right? Yes. I mean, we're taking it to a point where the answer is why not to everything, not how we can't do it. Um, in one of our other buildings, we had a gentleman because we have a unique position there um, where there is someone who is going to be making sure that the plan of care for each person is very individualized and it's called the director of partnership and what this person is going to do who is also a social work by education is make sure these plans of care by a profile are really adhered to you know if music was really important in someone's life then music is going to be part of their life um, we had a, a gentleman move in who was a firefighter in the past, and we reached out to the community to have the firefighters come and welcome him. So we're really trying to be partners with people in the community to enrich these people's lives, you know, the rest of their life. And just because they have memory issues doesn't mean they don't get to enjoy the things that they always did. Well, that's just fantastic, because as, especially as we get older, like... we. We kind of sometimes we outlive our friends and our family, and, and sometimes they get kind of lonely in these places. So, what are you seeing, Olivia, as far as your experience here so far? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think my experience or an experience with Acres is a little bit different than assistant living. Um, a lot of times, what you'll see are people who come from the hospital. So, they either have an acute or chronic illness, acute meaning something that just happened, chronic meaning something that has been going on for an extended period of time. And as we all know, in the past, no one really wants to go to a nursing home. It's kind of like a bad place or you're going there. But if you were to just come down and tour Foothill Acres, it's a beautiful six-year young facility. Um, Subacute meaning we can pretty much almost do everything that a hospital does. Um, we have individualized care plans, lifestyle coordinators who do something similar to what Barbara was talking about. We plan the day out with activities that they like or that they once were engaged in. Um, you don't necessarily have to come to Foothill Acres to live there. Again, it's a rehab facility, so that's a short stay, maybe 30 days, two weeks. So what's the, if you don't mind me asking, what's the difference between like a subacute and acute that, you know, what's, the, what, how do you differentiate between that as far as the facility goes? And what's, as far as a client might be, what, okay. what's the kind so of differences? Acute is a hospital stay. So when people are sick and they go to the hospital, let's say they have congestive heart failure. They go to the hospital for that diagnosis. Once they're stabilized, they would come to a subacute, which is Foothill Acres Rehab um, Nursing Center. And uh, there we can do all kind of things to help the person get back to their daily functioning. So our plan is to stabilize them, rehabilitate them, and get them back home. So when you come to rehab, it's a short stay. And again, we're medical experts at the subacute level. So just, just different levels of uh -huh. stepping down. Just one step down. Like right. maybe in a hospital, you'd get monitored. Once you come to subacute, you don't need to be monitored anymore. You get your medication, board certified doctors. So it's still a high level of care, but it's not as intense because once people come to a subacute, they're stabilized. Okay. So then they move on and then hopefully you get them home, right? And then you yes. talked about you have people with chronic illness as well, which is a little more long-term, right? So, so with a chronic I, illness, people pretty much know they may end up in the hospital and may have to go to a subacute. With an acute illness, you don't necessarily see it coming. For instance, you could be 
42 years old and suddenly have a stroke. And then you're in the hospital. You didn't plan for it. It's not something, you know, that you thought would ever happen to you. And you find yourself having to navigate the healthcare system. And that could be kind of scary because obviously that's something we're not going to plan or manage because we're only 42 years old. So that could be traumatic in nature. Well, I think that's a big thing that I see and I think uh, um, a lot of people need to think a little bit more about is is getting a better understanding because unfortunately all of us at some point will will touch the medical system at some point, whether it's themselves or a friend or a family member or sometimes a child. I mean, you never know who's going to go there first. So I think we need to come up with better ways to get people involved in this to get them kind of to get educated a little bit sooner i know that's part of my job and i try really hard believe me um but it's hard until it actually happens to somebody i think and, and so so sometimes i don't know what the answer is to this exactly I think sometimes you yeah. have to jump on the bandwagon of another f- family or friends experience because you know that's how i was able to get my parents to kind of recognize certain things because you know their generation they don't want to talk about their will they don't want to talk about their finances or their accounts. They want it, even if they trust you, they don't want you to have access to all their accounts. You know, and then something bad happens. My dad had a stroke and, you know, my mother and father had never discussed any of these things. So I had to make all the bad decisions. And after that happened, you know, a while later, I finally sat with my mother and I said, I don't want to make those decisions for you. Like, we need to discuss this. We need to go through all the papers that are in all these boxes and sit and write all the account numbers down. I need to know all this information um, because it's, it's a nightmare if you don't. And I think, you know, when something happens to someone else, that's when you can make it stick to home and and kind of get some progress with them you know they don't even know the difference you know in my experience in home health care for instance when I was in the hospital dealing with crisis people don't even know what their long-term care insurance policies provide you know I would be sitting at people's deathbed and the insurance company would make them answer to say that I had permission to find out the information you know I had one woman who had four different policies her husband had no idea for over an hour I was sitting calling one policy after the other to find out you know what they were worth or how they could help them instead of getting to focus on you know the purpose of getting her home because that was the promise her husband made that she could pass at home so there's a lot of paperwork and jumble, and if you're prepared with all this in an organized manner, even though it's painful to discuss, it is so much better than in the middle of the crisis. Yeah, I, yeah, I have to agree with that. So when we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about that, the importance of planning and laying out, understanding what you have, what you don't have, and because not making a decision is actually making a decision. And I think sometimes we need to emphasize to people that by not doing something, that is a decision. Um, so we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about the importance of preparing for all this. Sounds, Sounds good. good. <laughs>
This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, here with Barbara uh, Forstner, the Director of Community Relations at Artist Senior Living of Princeton, as well as Olivia Oliphant, a registered nurse at Foothill Acres Rehabilitation Center uh, and Nursing Center. And so we've been talking a little bit about some experiences, uh, the different facilities, how different, each facility has a little bit different what they do. And, uh, you know, Barbara's talking a little about the long-term care, and uh, Olivia's talking a little about acute and subacute care. So I think it's important that people really understand that um, things have evolved over the years. Some people that are older think it's immediately you go from the hospital, maybe you go home, and if you need care, you go right to your kind of your deathbed. There's all kinds of different care options available and all different levels of care options available. And I think that Barbara brought up a very good point is many older people do not want to share any information with the, even sometimes their spouse and, or their kids or somebody. Um, but the problem with that whole philosophy is, unfortunately, um, this is typically, I'm going to be sexist here for a minute, but usually it's the male that goes first. And so the woman might be left without understanding what they have. And that creates just a big mess. And it doesn't matter which way this goes. But if one partner goes before the other and the other one is the one in charge of it, you need to have more depth in this, in this whole process so that somebody can pick it up and go with it, whoever that person might be. Um, and I know I've seen that, too, where I've had people that, that just simply come to you when it's a little bit too late. And, and unfortunately, um, we really need to plan for this. And the earlier you plan, the less expensive it is, too. And a lot of people don't realize that if you start these things very young, um, that it's a relatively modest cost to, to prepare for all this later on. And the longer you wait, the more that can happen to you medically and can sometimes make it uh, so you can't get the assistance that you might need in the future. So what are you seeing, Barbara, as far as people coming uh, to the different facilities and things well, like that? Well, you know, I've worked in subacute. I've worked in assisted living, and I, I've been in the different areas. But I'm finding that, um, you know, I'm really excited about opening a brand-new building. We're not open yet, but we will be on um, 861 Alexander Road, right next to the train station, probably in the late fall. And um, you can come in and get information. You can reach us at 609-454-3360 and we're happy to go over um, our different levels of care and what our building has to offer but what I'm finding is that we've started a series of lectures that we've been doing for caregivers and then the next day for professionals and these lectures about when is it right to make the choice um, what is dementia these are some of our topics are really great. They're being received well in the community. Um, we're having 65 people come to these dinners, and they're asking a lot of questions, and they're taking notes, and they're figuring out what they need to do for the future. A lot of the people who are attending aren't necessarily ready for our community, but they have a neighbor or a friend or someone that they want to share this information with, um, and they're starting to learn about the differences in where you can go, as you were mentioning, you know, what's appropriate. You know, I know my mom is in her 80s, and if I spoke to any one of their friends, they don't really understand what assisted living is. They think it's a nursing home, and they think it's the end. So 
you know, having worked in assisted living as well, it's amazing when people come in how shocked they are. Because it's like, I always used to call it, you know, a cruise without the water. Because there's so many activities and so many fun things going on. And so many people who were isolated didn't really realize how isolated they were until maybe a spouse passed away that they were taking care of. And now they come somewhere where, you know, the beauty parlor is there. Everything is there. The same thing we're going to have in our building. You know, activities going on all the time. You know, the beauty salon. All these things that can be really challenging and difficult when you're alone are suddenly at your fingertips and friends. You know, the friendships are really what's really important. And in healthcare, I think the relationships are the most important thing with the other professionals. Um, Olivia and I actually met at the hospital. Um, we were outside liaisons, and you know, the whole group of us became friends and family had lunch with the discharge planners every day and were able to help each other um, with different situations when somebody might have needed subacute care, but maybe they needed that extra and they needed, you know, a one-to-one aid or they needed a different kind of community to go to. And we could pool all our knowledge together and really help people in the right direction. No, I think that's important. I think a key is sometimes people think they're when they move out of their home, they're moving into kind of this void. But I think it's important as we get older, you have to kind of make these social connections. And I think that's nice, right? So what do you see, Olivia? It's like when people come there, um, what kind of different reactions do you have as opposed to what they might anticipate? Like, because uh, you have the anti- you anticipate <laughs> what, what's going to happen, then you have the reality of what happens, right? Exactly. So we want to clarify that to the audience, you know, people out there, like what really happens when they come into these facilities as far as... Absolutely. Um, Foothill Acres Rehab and Nursing Center, located in Hillsborough, right on the borough of Princeton, um, right on the border of Princeton over here. Um, particularly, people are surprised when they come. It's um, especially to the subacute. It's a place for healing. Um, we have a lot of holistic programs. We have lifestyle coordinators, kind of what Barbara mentioned. We have a beauty salon. We have a beautiful gift shop. We have a garden. We have all kind of social clubs. We do events. We just had Christmas in July for all the residents. So it oh. was like a shopping mall inside the facility. They were so excited. Family came. They're buying gifts. They're getting prepared for actual Christmas time where they don't have to go out and, you know, the bustle of everything during the the holidays and they got all their gifts for their loved ones. We do a lot of great things right there on the inside because we are a subacute as well as a long-term care facility. And kind of what Barbara just said, we have all this experience because when we were together in the hospital, we all came together as a united force. And there's so much we can offer to our facilities because we know about one-to-ones. We know about memory care. We know about the nursing aspect as well as the financial, which is very important because you have to be able to afford to live as you get older. And one of the benefits of going to an assisted living or a long-term care facility is now the family gets to be the family again. So you have 24-hour care, and you get to be the daughter again, not the caregiver or the enforcer of rules. You're just the daughter again, and you're visiting with the mom, and she's in a place that she loves, and she's getting social interaction and nursing care and care from the doctors. Her meals are provided. Um, She's safe. Um, All of these things are very important for our seniors, and within these counties, I think we have really wonderful programs and places for our seniors to go 
to be loved and protected. And that's really important. I think that's key. So do, do you guys ever see anybody, maybe it's a little resistant, and then once they get there, after a period of time, maybe like, oh. It takes time. You know, there are some. it's a change. I mean, some, some people in their houses 30, 40, 50 <clears throat> years. I mean, they've never known anything different. Right. So what do you, how do you kind of get past that well, hesitation? Especially and, we'll see it with the memory care unit. We mm-hmm. have a memory care unit. Um, and for people who are suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's, it's very hard to leave that routine that they once had or the home that they were in and go somewhere else. There's an adjustment period, wouldn't you think, Barbara? Yeah, you know, there's a big transition period and you have to kind of um, pick their brain before they move in with the family to make a safe transition and maybe someone needs more of a buddy. You know, you introduce them to someone so that they have that buddy system but you have to really give the family peace of mind for making this decision because most of the time especially in memory care it is the families that are making the decision not necessarily the spouse so everybody has to feel good about it and know you know being in the Princeton area the great thing is when I speak to the families they can still continue to see their family member all the time without it being a designated day that disrupts work and then normal life you know when you have um, a community that's five minutes from your house you can pop in whenever you want you can take mom out for lunch um, and you have to trust that the people in the community, I used to say, were like the daughter who's not here. Because you really start to get to know the residents. And you know someone who's cheery that sings all day long. And then if they're not singing, you know something's wrong. And you know you try to talk to them and, and find out. Um, and interestingly, with you know memory care, people remember a lot. They might not remember the moment, but they remember things in the past. Um, when I visit, you know, some of the communities that I used to go to all the time, they might not know what's going on today, but they know everything that was going on with me when I was there. And they will fixate on that question and, and ask me about my personal life. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny. But, you know, especially when you have families that are out of the area and they don't want to take their family member to a new area because friends are still in the community and can still visit, you really have to build up that trust that, you know, we are going to be the advocate. Um, We're going to make sure that mom gets to see her friend and her friend gets to come have lunch with her. So they have to trust if they're not here that we're going to be there for them because some people don't live where their parents live, you know. We're a very transient group these days and people don't necessarily live where they grew up. So what are some ways people stay in touch if your family members and maybe they aren't from the area, how do they how can they still stay in touch with their loved one if they're in a facility that's maybe, you know, 100 miles away or something? What are some way other than flying out here all the time? That's are, the, are there other ways to connect? Well, now with, beauty with technology, technology. <laughs> you know what? You can FaceTime mom. You know, doctors can FaceTime. They have networks where it, it's the middle of the night somewhere and they can, by computer, actually observe the patient and see what's going on with them. Tell them. Tele- it's funny she brings that up. We yeah. use that in our building, telehealth. So we have the doctors that come up on the screen. So, you know, you're loved ones being seen by a doctor on the screen and you can be a part of that 
you know, through Skype. And you can see the doctor, talk to the doctor, see what's happening with the family member. You might be 100 miles away, but you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, things Um, are so different. I mean, we're in a time where there's a lot available to people. And, you know, that's why it's really important that all the communities like Olivia's community and my community that we educate people, even about things that we might not specifically be doing, but educating everybody really helps the whole healthcare network in getting things done properly and and being advocates for people she makes a good point it raises the bar it becomes a level of excellence in healthcare. you know everyone used to think nursing homes were like the shining that you know like terrible looking and scary place and the standard of care the bar is raised when you educate your consumer your resident your patient and um it just leads to more innovative better care Five-star quality. Because yeah, that's yeah. a fear any family has. Uh, you know, Mike, putting them in a good facility. I mean, are they going to really be taken care of? They're kind of letting go a little bit because they're, they're well, kind of handing off they have a have to. big they responsibility. They have to. You're making decisions for someone else's life. I sure. can say that our facility is five-star quality. Um, we're partnered with some of the best healthcare systems. And like she just mentioned, we have technology. We have uh, doctors who come up on the computer screens. We push all kind of drugs. We have ACLS certified nurses. That's advanced cardiac life support. So we're pretty um, solid uh, facility to go to as far as medical care expertise and excellence. But it is trust because I kind of reminded Kurt many years ago um, (laughs) when I did work in a nursing home, his wife actually called and was telling me their crisis and their story on the phone and wasn't coming up for air. And I couldn't even interject to say to her, hey, it's Barbara, your neighbor. And, you know, once she heard that, she relaxed her whole tone change she was like oh my god you know I I know you and she just felt so much more at peace and you know their mother-in-law her mom did come to our community and I had that over the years you know in places that I've gone just that connection somehow where people trust you and they know you're going to take care of the person, well, that's the key. Their yeah, level absolutely. One. Trust is the key, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and why it's important to have that build that trust and how you know the, the, they do rate the different facilities. Different facilities have different levels, which is important to understand. Um, so we'll talk a little more about that when we come back. In just a few minutes. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I am Kurt Baker uh, here with Barbara Forchner as well as Olivia Oliphant. And we're talking about uh, different care facilities and why it's important to really get yourself prepared for it, have a better understanding of what the, the different types of care facilities, whether it's assisted living or whether it's acute care or whether it's you know long-term care, um, there's different levels of care. There's a lot more options out there now than there used to be. And I think um, many people don't understand there's a lot more uh, connection to these facilities and to your loved one once they are transferred into a facility. And especially when you're dealing with things like Alzheimer's and, and memory care, where that person is really kind of 
um, needs you really need to trust the facility because they don't necessarily they can't really make a lot of their own decisions anymore. Um, and I think you, Barbara, you touched a little bit on like when uh, when my mother-in-law went into a facility. I mean, one of the frustrations you probably sensed on the phone with her was she was not the person that was directed to t- to make the uh, decisions at this point. It was it was a family member, um, and I it, but she was really uh, at least. She was. She had always been the one that kind of had done these things, um, and so the other family member was really a good financial person, but not really the one who knew always like what mom might want, right? Or so how she might respond to things. It's really important when you prepare for the future that you really sit and think through the people that you're appointing because sometimes those aren't the people who are capable of making those decisions or following your wishes. Um, I can say, you know, for myself, I'm, this is another thing. You need to know that you can always redo your will, redo your power of attorney, because those are transient. Somebody who might have been important in your life at one time that you chose is not relevant at a later time. Or if you're doing something for your children, like as I prepare, you know, my will, my power of attorney, my health care proxy, you know, and I think about my daughter, if something were to happen to me, I want to make sure the right people are are appointed and they are people that she can work with and trust also. So this isn't necessarily common, but I think it's important to speak to the person directly. You know, I've had a conversation with my daughter recently of what I'm putting in place to make sure that the people that I'm choosing are people that she can work with also. Because, you know, if you're gone, you don't want the person left behind to, on top of the emotional issues, be struggling with the choice that you made, who might not have your best interests at heart, um, and not be able to help and nurture the family through what they have to decide. Um, You know, when you're in a, a community or a facility, you know, you sometimes you want to give both people, both siblings, all the siblings a choice, but sometimes you can't do that because then it becomes about their issues. And sometimes you really have to um, make sure that the proper people are given the proper decision-making powers. Because even in the case where someone doesn't have memory care and a family's pulling together to place someone in a community, you know, you have certain people who don't want to spend the money. Even though that's in the best interest of their mom or dad, they want to hold on to the money, their inheritance. And then you've got other siblings who are trying to do the right thing for mom or dad. And then it becomes a stalemate and nothing gets done. So it's really important to think these things through and not arbitrarily appoint people. Don't just appoint a family member because you think it's your family member, so they have to be the person, because sometimes they're just not the right person to do this for you. And... You have to make the right decisions. It can't be about who it's supposed to be, because who it's supposed to be isn't always the right person. Right, I agree. And I think sometimes people, I think people are worried about hurting different people's feelings about these things, about different decisions. And I think what I've seen and maybe seen is something similar: is if you if 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 you, if you don't leave, if you don't make the decision, then you're leaving it up to group decision, which basically creates conflict. So not making the decision is actually worse than making a decision and actually picking one of the people to make the decision as opposed to having them fighting it out because that just creates long delays, expense for the estate, or whatever the case may be. It's just going to cost more money. And if you're, then the clearer you are about your wishes, like the level of care you want, like the type of facility you want to go to. Some people may want to go to a really, really nice facility. Others may say, well, I don't really need all that. I need this level of care. That's all I really want. 
Um, so everybody, you, the, the, I guess the clearer people are about what they'd like to see at the different stages of life, I think is really important to help the family to kind of align up with what you really like. And I think that's kind of what Barbara started with, to have the conversation face-to-face. Start talking about it. Talk about what your wishes are. If you want a DNR, which is a do not resuscitate, if you want to live in a place that has a beauty salon and what have you, you can make those wishes known right from the very start. And like she said, nothing's written in stone. You can change your mind. Oh, you can always change your mind. It's the same with moving into a community. People get really stuck on whether they made the right decision, but you're never a prisoner of wherever you go you know if it's not the right decision and it changes later on then if you can then you can make that change you know um, people get caught up with whether they're making the right decision and they get frozen in making any decision and it's the same with the financial the choice of where the person's going to live all of those things can be changed at any time so. And I think that's important people understand. I think that's what my point is. You have to really understand what you really want, and you can change your mind. Sometimes you don't know what you want until right. you get there. And right. I think that's why people should, if they can, if the situation permits, which nine times out of ten it does, to tour a facility. Well, right. You know, we're open. You can come to Barbara's facility and um, go in, tour, speak to someone, my well, own. Well, we both, I think, have respite care also, which is something people should be aware of. You know, when our community opens... Do you want to explain that a little bit? Respite yeah, care. respite is sort of a temporary situation where, let's say, the caregiver needs to go to a wedding and needs a break, um, or a family wants to try out a community and see how mom or dad does being in that environment. You know, you can kind of do a temporary, think of it as a hotel stay, for a few weeks, you know, whether it's in... Um, subacute environment where people need the care or like we're going to have respite stays also in our community so you can get to get a feel for it um, because if you're afraid that mom or dad's not going to do well well then you know you let them stay for a few weeks and you get to see how it's really working out she touched upon a good point um we provide respite care but not only for those with dementia or alzheimer's it could be a child with developmental disabilities, 20 years old, 25 years old, parents need to go to a wedding, like she said, or somewhere where they they just need a little break so they can stay for that period of time and they can get used to the facility and potentially it could be, become a place to live. Well, I think that's great because as we know, as you both, I'm sure the caregiver's health suffers over a period of time if they don't take care of themselves and sometimes they forget they really do need a break in order to really care for their loved one, even if they're going to continue to do that, right? So it's important. Right. It's sort of like, you know, the the old expression, if you're on a plane and it's crashing, if you don't pull your oxygen mask down first, how are you going to help somebody else? So if you're burnt out and you you can't take care of your family member, you know, that's not going to be helpful. Interestingly enough, we are doing a caregiver conference um, located at Foothill Acres in Hillsborough. The number is 908-369-8711. This conference is for the community. So caregivers out there who want to get more information about financial planning, about places to go, about assistant living, SAR stay, resources out there, coalitions, volunteers, please feel free to come to the conference at Foothill Acres on November 4th. So another thing that we're doing, too, to help educate people is we're having um, a free memory care screening at our temporary offices on 731 Alexander Road. Um, 
this way people can get an idea. It's sort of like mini mental tests to kind of begin a starting point if someone is suspecting that there is dementia happening. Um, so it'll be a, an educational event for people to get a beginning. So I think what's important you guys are telling me is there's a lot more information out there than I think people realize. So you can you can learn a lot about what the options are because they they seem to be accelerating at least from my perspective you seem to see more and more options trying to fill in these different voids people seem to be having well, whether a, it's memory i mean memory care i mean that's a relatively new specialty i mean as far as i can see you know you just went to a facility and that was it and they and they put you over here for this but but now you have facilities specifically trying to help people with alzheimer's and memory care yeah we're unique in that sense you know our company has about um nine buildings right now throughout the united states our other building in new jersey is in the um evesham area but we have a lot more buildings coming up over the next year um so it's, it's something that's expanding, and there's a need for it. So I think the people that have been coming in and I've been talking with are very excited because there is an opportunity for them to have something in their backyard. And you touched on the baby boomers. That's a big thing. And people are living longer with advances in health care and prevention and all the different things going on. We need specialized care for different people's situations. I agree with that 100%. I tell my clients all the time is you please plan a little longer than you're expecting because the longevity of your family is a factor plus the general longevity. So you have to tend to add a little bit if you, from a planning perspective because the, the statistically likelihood is you're probably going to outlive what your parents did and maybe by a significant amount because of all these advances including like the memory care thing. They talk about all the advances for Alzheimer's and you know, we, we keep reading about these things. They keep discovering new ways to help manage it and make it so you can live longer and longer and, and more a happier life, frankly. So, I mean, it's kind of it's good news, but you still have to plan for it. Right? Yes, if you're going to be here, you have to plan for it. You don't want to you don't want to outlive your funds. Basically, you want to be very cautious about how that all works out and how it comes together, which is well, important. People one of the good oh, I'm sorry. Uh, one of the good things is that um, when we talk about care and long term care facilities, there's different financial options there. So people can eventually um, have transitioned to Medicaid. So that's a whole nother discussion. But yes, um, finances is a very important part. And again, we have a business office and a finance team that can help families plan for the future. And it doesn't have to be that scary because yeah. we can help them navigate. Yeah, there's a lot of options. We can talk about that a little bit when we come back here in a couple minutes. But then uh, I appreciate you guys coming. So we'll, uh, we'll pick up on that when we come back from the break in just a couple minutes. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back uh, to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, here with Barbara Forstner, the Director of Community Relations at Artists Senior Living of Princeton, as well as Olivia Oliphant, a registered nurse at Foothill Acres Rehabilitation and Nursing Center. And we've kind of gone through a nice little journey here about the different uh, 
aspects of these of the different facilities and how there's a lot more options out there and it's it's a lot more of a, a positive experience and i think people realize uh when we do get to because because of the options that are out there and how you um how unique some of these facilities are like we have memory care facilities which that you know 20 i don't even know how long ago not that long ago you didn't that really wasn't a specialty um and there's and you have more the respite care where if you need to take a break maybe you have a child who has autism and you've been taking care of that kid for you know years and i need a break i want to take a week or two off you can maybe have a place where somebody's safe and comfortable and you can shop this around a little bit find out what you like Look at the facilities, tour the facilities, see what options are there. And any decision you make today is not a permanent decision. And, and Barbara, we, you guys talked about how important it is to really kind of look at the different options, whether it's for financial uh, advice, you know, somebody to help you with your finances, somebody to help with your personal decisions as far as what might be in your best interest if you can no longer make those decisions on your behalf. And it's important to make a decision. You can always change it or update it later. But if you make no decision, that creates a lot more stress within the family. And if there's no family left, then it might be left up to the government or somebody that's not related to you at all may have no idea what you like. Um, so it's better to make some type of a decision, make the best decisions you can now, realizing that you can change those later, whether it's the facility you want to go into or whether it's who's making those other decisions for you. So we talked, you touched a little bit, Olivia, on the finance aspect, which is kind of my area. And this is the thing I try to emphasize to people all the time is that um, you're better off being prepared for this and understanding how you plan to finance your care, whether it's something you know relatively mild, uh, like assisted living, or whether it's something more involved, uh, like a long-term care, the sooner you have that conversation, the one, the less expensive it typically is, and it, it significantly lowers the stress level of family, because I, I find that a lot. When they finally people finally make these decisions, they go, okay, at least we figured that out. Now I know what I'm doing. It's kind of like getting a burial plot. At least I know where I'm going, you know, <laughs> or where I'm doing. So it, it really kind of de-stresses thing, and, and I, it's not this overwhelming cost that I think many people have this vision of, and they've stabilized a lot. So what do you guys see from a from the provider standpoint, people coming to you, and what kind of uh, things do you see as far as the different people that are coming to you and how prepared they are? Well, I think you're absolutely right. Um, when people come in crisis, it's really hard to make a decision. Um, they don't realize they have uh, many more options than they think. Um, in our building, we take Medicare, almost every insurance, and Medicaid. So, again, there's a lot of options out there, long-term care insurance, as Barbara pointed out. We have some private pay patients. We can transition from one level of care to another. So there's many, many options out there. You just have to come on down, talk to someone, and help. they'll help you work through it, de-stress, um, talk about the things out there, and make life a little bit more manageable. And if we can't provide you with what you need we're happy to point you in the right direction because you know we really care about our residents well that's important right so what are you seeing barbara <laughs> i'm seeing that you know a dis initial conversation has to be had and you have to develop that trust first for people to share that information because sometimes the people sitting at the table don't share it with each other so sometimes you have to know who to have in and have these conversations individually as well. Um, and then you have a total picture. And then you can kind of try to guide them down the path of where they need to go to make Medicaid applications when that's appropriate or put them in contact with financial planners like yourself or an elder care attorney to sift through what the right decisions are, what assets need to be sold off in order to qualify for Medicaid at a later time. I mean, you know, it's 
it's it's complicated and I, I can't explain that because there's a lot of new things now the Miller Trust there's so many different ways um, you know VA benefits you know all of these things are great things but a lot of them sometimes have ramifications if you're not using them properly so you really have to do your homework and you know, the other thing is um, no one says they have money for this stuff. No one wants to spend their money on bad things. But when you really dig in, you'll find that people do have the money, that they've been saving it for this because maybe they didn't enjoy their life, but they're worried about what's happening when they're ill. Um, I had, you know, this happened to me during my career. I had, um, and you can't prejudge also. I had family member that said they didn't have any money or someone that says they have money, and it's the opposite. And I went to visit the family in their home and wouldn't have really thought they had the financial resources to take care of things. And the mother took me into the bedroom and pulled up the mattress and showed me $65,000 <laughs> under the mattress. I'll never forget that. You know, She's like, my son's not getting this money. I'm going to go where I want to go. So you just really never know. And once you form that bond with, with people, they will share everything with you that you don't even want to know. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to advocate putting money in your mattress. No. It might be there. You never know. Right, exactly. Or I guess if you buy a house with a mattress Maybe you look at it for, it for, it so, for a rainy day. But no, you, you bring out a valid point, and that, of course, that's that's what I make my living doing. Is is really, and, and a lot of this is, really, you know, the initial like conversation about this is really just organizing all this in a way that makes some sense. Because as you point out, people kind of save, 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 and then they go, they're going to retire when they're healthy. You're still not really thinking about this so much because you're like, I'm in good health. I don't have to worry about. It. I know, I know, me as a guy, I'm I'm guilty of that. I'm never going to get sick or hurt or whatever, right? And then all of a sudden, I get sick or hurt, and then I'm like, oh well, shoot. <laughs> now I got to take care of myself. Now somebody's got to take care of me. <laughs> but you know, so it's it's important to really just lay out these options because there's there's no downside to this. There's really no downside to making sure you understand the options. And again, like we talked about, if you make a decision now. Very few decisions are irrevocable. Most can be changed. Most can be altered or modified. And if you did make it so you can't change it, then you made a mistake somewhere along the way. But, but you know, the important things, like how you want to do things, um, there's just a lot of options out there. And as you point out, most people have resources they're not really thinking about or they don't really understand the cost. Um, and there are ways to manage. As you point out, you can go to different levels, right? You get in, maybe you're under, you're paying yourself, right? But if you outlive all of that, there's other options out there as well. And if you're in the facility and you've already been there for many years, um, then the likelihood is are probably going to keep you there, right? So <laughs> hopefully they're not going to throw you out, right? So, um, so, no, that's good. So what else do you guys see happening? In the, what's, what are some of the fun things you guys do at the facilities? You talked about some of the entertainment things they do. Oh, yeah. I was Let's talking about Chris, <laughs> Christmas in July, which obviously we just had uh -huh. um, last month, which was really fun. Vendors came in. It was like a mall set up in there. It was a lot of fun for them. We had a community health fair. So we had the healthcare systems come in. This is in Do you have any residents like make friends that maybe you didn't think were going to make friends? Do you ever see that happening? It's great because, like Barbara said earlier, There's you're not prison <laughs> yeah uh, you're not in prison there we go it's Hurricane like sandy provided for a lot of romance <laughs> <laughs> okay. very 
very true. And it's like um, your second life, so to speak. It's just a, a new phase of your life. It's not the end of your life. It's not life as we know it is over. There's a lot of fun to be had. There's a lot of events. There's friendships to be made. You know, crafting. You going know, out. Going out. Um you know, for holidays, I mean, I've dressed up as, you know, a 50s girl. I've dressed up as an Andrews sister and done the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. So <laughs> you never know what you're going to do when you're in a community. But it's all about making life fun and celebrating occasions and birthdays and and special special things with a family, a new family. You know, the thing is when people have to leave their home, um, you know, they their room is not their home any longer this apartment like you're not going to change where they live their life so this is the next stage and you have to try to explain that the whole community is now your house like did you have a piano room in your house probably not but now you have a baby grand and someone playing for you so your room is just that place to get that privacy but the rest of the community is now your house so it's it's getting people engaged, um, not letting them sit off into the corner by themselves, and and bringing them into the activity. And not to mention, um, it takes a lot of stress off of the family sometimes. It renews the relationship between the parent and the child, or the husband and the wife, and you're visiting and you're doing things together, and you're renewing you know, your relationship that you had with that person once before, and you're not stressed out all the time, or worried about did I get the medication oh my gosh is there only one more pill left the medication's there they're taken care of they're dressed they're showered you can go sit down and watch activity together it's so uh, yeah I mean I actually had an experience with a couple who had gotten divorced and hated each other but now in later life they both have memory issues so they didn't remember why they didn't like each other anymore and they, and they came back to the community together I mean it was crazy they just didn't remember why they hated each other anymore and that, that's great for the kids again positive that occurs and I think that's one of the things that the people need to understand is one you got to plan for this and two, once you come into this system where there's different levels of care, it's, it's going to be matched to what your preferences are and what your needs are. And then ultimately, uh, it's a very positive experience uh, for the individual as well as for the family because now you're de-stressing um, you know, the care situation. So you've got your, um, your loved ones are no longer have to provide all that care. You have somebody doing it at a professional level. And then you can come in and enjoy your time with your loved ones. So it's very, um, it, it's gotten much, much better over the years, I think is really what people need to understand. But you still have to plan for it. You still have to make sure um, that everything's kind of put in order, which will make things better once it happens. And so I want to thank uh, Barbara and uh, Olivia both for coming in and, and talking about this. And, and uh, so I think you guys gave your information already. So we'll make sure that uh, they can, we'll post it on the Facebook page as well. So you guys can check out their facilities and some more information about that as well. Um, and we have an event our nonprofit does coming up on October 4th. Uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. called The Taste of Hope at the Princeton Marriott. There'll be 16 restaurants, eight wine, beer, and spirits vendors, as well as uh, eight dessert stations, and all proceeds will go to Attitude the Reverse, whose mission is uh, youth mental health awareness and suicide prevention. Um, and I, again, am Kurt Baker, and I can be reached at 609-716-4700, or the website is www.cwmi.us. If you have any questions about this or any of your personal or business planning, 
um, as well as uh, the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash master your finances. You can listen to this podcast as well as all of our podcasts at masteryourfinances.us. Remember, you too can master your finances and enjoy financial peace of mind. That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University.